Do you ever want to watch a bad movie? Do you ever hate yourself so much that you want to put on a movie that makes you want to rip out your own eyeballs? Welcome to the first ever episode of the worst movies ever, probably. Almost definitely, though. <laughs> Almost definitely, though. My name is Dottie James. And I'm Patty Walters. And today we are going to be talking about Jaws The Revenge, the fourth Jaws film. Fourth the love of God. This, <laughs> okay. this, this is a very bad movie. It's this a is, very yeah. bad movie. We're starting off strong, but it's bad in like the most boring way. In a very boring way. I'm so sorry if you've already watched this. <laughs> if you have already watched the movie before listening to this podcast, please share your thoughts with us on the at TWME probably Twitter account. We'd really value that. That'd be a lot of fun to interact with you guys in that way. Oh, heck yes. So there's like three things I'm going to have to remember to say before we start every podcast. The first thing is that in case you haven't noticed, there's still a worldwide pandemic and it's why we made this podcast and we encourage you to stay inside, cancel your Halloween plans, get your friends to cancel theirs and join this community of people watching shitty movies together to pretend that the world's not on fire. Secondly, speaking of the world being on fire, there's a very important election coming up. It's like a week or two away. I've voted. And if you're a citizen of the United States of America, please, please vote if you have the means to. It would make me very, very happy. And thirdly, in this podcast and every episode of this podcast, we are going to spoil every moment of the movies that you see in the title. So if you don't want Jaws the Revenge spoiled for you, I <laughs> don't continue listening. This has been a heck of a week. The first the first <laughs> the first week leading up to releasing this podcast. But yeah, you love you love horror films. I love children's films. So it's yeah. it's a stark contrast. Which but is funny because I think like the Venn diagram of like children's horror is probably the shit you enjoy the least. Yeah, children's horror really, really scares me. Yeah, like the, the Corpse Muppets, Bride. Yeah, well, <laughs> the Corpse Bride. The Muppets in general, I would class as a horror yeah. genre. <laughs> yeah, and to segue into this episode's film, this is probably one of the lower sort of ratings. This is like a PG-13 movie. This doesn't even get an R. And it's because so few people die in this film. There's so little action. It's like some sort of mashup between a feel-good and a sharp attack movie all at once and it just sucks which is interesting because i can actually handle shark attack films i believe sure i've seen the original jaws and that's fine i have not this is the only jaws film i've seen (laughs) so that sucks it's not a good introduction no not at all to the series but with all that said let's jump into the episode jaws the Revenge. Yeah, I'm so excited to talk about this. This is the fourth Jaws film in the franchise. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't have a number in the title. It's the only one without a number in the title. Mm. It's just called Jaws the Revenge. Yes. There was Jaws. Then there was Jaws 2. Then there was Jaws 3D. And now there's Jaws the Revenge. And it's the last film in the, the Jaws franchise. Nice. Lorraine Gary is an actor. She plays Ellen Brody in this movie. Okay. I don't know why it sounds like I'm trying to shove this information (laughs) down your throat. Ellen Brody is the mother. Right. And the main character of this movie. So it's already 
not looking good that you don't know who I'm talking about. Of course about. I don't. She's the I don't main know character. Names. They just call her mom. mom. So so this is mom. Right. Mom is the main character of this movie. Right. Um, she's mentioned first in the credits. Now, the interesting thing about Lorraine Gary as an actor. She's mentioned before. First. Before number Michael one. Caine. Michael Caine is mentioned fifth in these credits, oh I'll help you know. And we'll get to that. We will get to that later. But Lorraine okay. Gary is mentioned first. Lorraine okay. Gary appears in Jaws 1, Jaws 2, retires a year later, skips Jaws 3D, comes out of retirement for only this movie, and then retires again. But she's so bad. She is so bad. So the film begins with the opening credits and an ominous orchestral score as the camera creeps slowly through the water, assumedly imitating the perspective of the franchise's famous monster, Mr. Jaws. You remember you, you remember Mr. Jaws. <laughs> yeah, one of the less um, well-known Mr. Men. The scariest Mr. Man. Yeah, the scariest Mr. Man. <laughs> of all, Mr. Jaws. I found the script for this movie online and I'm going to walk you through how this film starts in terms of kind of like the exposition of the script. It says, we move through the water swimming, just swimming with all the time in the world. (laughs) (laughs) That is not how it comes across. We move over some junk. We're going somewhere. Ellipses. The water becomes shallow and we stop. Up through the surface, we see the lights of a town, Amity. We move on, swimming again, just swimming, moving through the water until suddenly the water swirls with motion around us. We experience the sensation of turning and then we see it, the eye. And for a moment, we think we're going to see more. But all we see as titles end is the eye. Does that even happen? The eye is a fish that Sean Brody is cooking on the stove. Yeah. So they fake you out. Yeah, it's but really they clever. don't. It's because real as far clever. as I remember, it just goes from water to just them cooking. Uh, you're, you're entirely right. Yeah. So it's, it's not, not doing what they think it's doing. It's not doing. executed well. But yeah. So then the exposition in the script is an enormous black eye casts its deadly stare straight at us. Waves of heat like ocean currents rise up around it. A sound like that of the fires of hell fills our ears. That's not at all He's cooking what a fish in a frying pan. It's just pan him cooking a fish. <laughs> It's just a fish being cooked. So Everyone shit's taking itself that. real serious from the get-go. The fires of hell. Yeah. We arrive in the kitchen of either Ellen or Sean Brody. This is, these are they my don't words. even no, know. This, these are my <laughs> words now. This is my description. Oh, okay. So we're in the, I don't, because I don't know whose kitchen it is. No. They don't really make it clear. Ellen or Sean Brody, mother and son with particularly uncomfortable sexual tension and energy from the, from the start of the film. Yeah. Ellen answers a phone call from her other son, Michael, and granddaughter, Thea. We learn from their conversation that Michael is a marine biologist and he's working in the Bahamas and Thea is five and that's literally it. Great. Possibly later that evening, possibly any other evening in the future. Uh, It's now Christmas. Great. You could classify it as a Christmas film. But but it's like it's Christmas for half the movie and then we move on to New Year and then it's just an irrelevant detail. It's just maybe the film came out around Christmas time. I think so. It's now Christmas in this movie. It wasn't before. It is now. Ellen, Sean and Sean's fiance Tiffany are walking through the quaint town of Amity adorned with festive decoration and the sound of Christmas carols. I'm surprised they even gave Tiffany a name. (laughs) She doesn't have a big role to play in this movie but she has a name. You can't 
take that away from her. Sean seemingly arrives for work at the Amity Police Department, but also tries to leave as soon as he gets there, for for as much as I can tell. Walks through the door and says, can I go? Yeah. Can I leave now? At which point, this is again the words of the script. The secretary, Polly, who is close to retirement, answers the phone. So that's all you need to know about Polly. Right. She assigns Sean the task of going to clear up a dock piling that's floating around in the channel. Coast Guard can't do it. Sean, you've got to go do it. I know you're dying to get home. You arrived literally 10 seconds ago, <laughs> but now you have to go and do some work now. And she, uh, he really tries to leave, though. Yeah, no, he like walks out, out the, door the door twice, twice. and twice. she calls him back in yeah. two times to say, no, Sean, do something. Terrible. This is what you're going to do. So Sean drives over. He walks through an even more alive and festive area part of the town, exchanges a pleasantry or two, arrives at the docks, drives a boat out towards the dock piling when suddenly the camera's looking up from the surface of the water and we hear the iconic Jaws theme play. This is the Jaws theme from the first movie, the John Um. Williams Jaws theme, because the Jaws 4 theme happens several times and it's fucking terrible. Do we get to talk about the shark now? Yeah, we can totally talk about the shark now. The shark's about to like make its glamorous <laughs> appearance for the first time. After no more than like three seconds of the Jaws theme playing, Sean's attacked by the shark in a fast-paced series of close-ups of teeth and blood and water and teeth and blood. And that's kind of it because the budget wasn't that high or the shark wasn't It's a good. toy shark. So we're going to do what we can yeah. with it. We're going to do the best we can with what we got. Yeah, they did okay with the actual jaws of the shark. Do you like think? The, well, sort of. That's the best part yeah. of oh, something yeah. that's not very good. The rest of the shark is literally like a sock that's been stapled <laughs> together. So Mr. Jaws takes Sean's arm in this shark attack. Sean is screaming for help towards the shore, but he can't be heard over the festive Christmas carols being sung in some sort of like twisted... Uh, oh, is that what's supposed to be happening? Yeah. So I they thought cut- it was just because he was in the middle of the lake. So no, they- <laughs> of course no one could hear him. <laughs> no, they cut back and forth to like the carol specifically, the, the choir specifically. Oh, so, you know, I didn't pick up on that at all. It's like the duality, the juxtaposition of like, it's Christmas. I am dying at the mouth of a shark. Sean's attacked a second time. He's still on the boat, but he's pulled into the water. And the third and final time comes when Mr. Jaws pulls him beneath the waves. It's at this point that the script says, Sean and the pole disappear beneath the surface. And it says, he's just gone. Oh, just swimming. Just Just gone. (laughs) He's just swimming. So you know the Jaws theme? Yeah. Imagine if they replaced that with the theme from Pink Panther. As the... As the sharks Well, it'd be about as scary as what happens in this film. And yeah, the last thing much. that we see in this scene. This is one of how many deaths? Two. Two deaths. In this the whole is film. half the deaths. Yeah. And we're five minutes into the movie. Yeah. The last thing we see in the scene, rising to the surface of the water, is the dock piling, the pole, in some sort of like poetic irony or something. Yeah. So he goes out to bring the dock piling back to shore. The dock survives. Sean Brody does not. Next scene. Ellen is identifying her son at his autopsy. Sean is hidden within his body bag, but he appears still completely intact from head to toe, apart from an arm or two. He's like mostly in one piece. Mm. So the 
Jaws, Mr. Jaws just leaves him, I guess. Yeah, he's a murderer. <laughs> we established this while watching the film. The shark is not eating, is not eating these people. It's to survive. just murdering It's them. just fun. Yeah. It's just how Jaws gets his kick. It just does a quick stab with his teeth and then leaves. <laughs> so another officer of the Amity Police Department, Lenny, hands Ellen a box of Sean's belongings and arguably what I think was the film's worst delivery of dialogue. Maybe not like the worst line, but he delivers the line saying, his things, I thought you'd want them. Oh God. So that's what gets said. Alan backs away in horror without his things, without saying anything. We then see Polly, the secretary who is close to retirement, is crying in the background before fading into the preceding scene, at which point Ellen is around the back of her house, totally despondent, understandably, looking out over the lake, also understandably. We hear a little girl call out for her grandma. We then see a taxi arrive in the driveway. Out steps Michael, his wife Carla, and their daughter Thea. Thea's five. We established this. They walk inside the house with their bags to find Polly, the secretary who is close to retirement. And she gives Michael a hug and informs him that his mom is outside. Michael asks how she's doing. Polly... Any day from retirement now, forlornly shakes her head saying <laughs> just nothing. She just shakes her head. It's not good. It's not it's good. It's a bad last week at the office. <laughs> talk about a bad last week yeah. at the office. Michael walks past three others on his way to his mother. They're saying they've come from Tiffany's house. They add the poor girl. The doctors had to sedate her, which becomes- So that's the- where she is for the whole film. She's yeah. sedated. She's sed- <laughs> well, this we get is- one shot with him and his fiance together yeah. and then we never see her no, again. No, this line is the last time she is mentioned in this movie. Yes. Michael walks outside and hugs his crying mom. He puts his hand on her head. They're bringing their faces closer and closer together. They're like a couple inches apart right now. She grabs both the sides of his face- They're looking deeply into each other's eyes at this point. Mom, breathing heavily, inches closer still, super uncomfortable, but then they hug a second time and it's fine. It's so weird. It's such a weird thing to set up. It's like, you know that this is mother and son. Why would you give them any sexual chemistry whatsoever? Yeah. No, mom's got a weird vibe with, with both the kids. Yeah. Ellen then says, it came for him. It waited all this time and it came for him. Her son is confused. Yes, as Uh, we all are. Yeah, next scene, it's dinner time. Ellen says Michael and his family must be starving, opens the oven. Carla, Michael's wife, is insistent that she's going to make dinner so Ellen can relax with her son. Yeah, Ellen's really stressed at this point. Totally, you would be. Ellen, though, has like a dozen pots and pans in her oven, at which point she furiously just throws them all over the ground. She turns to Michael and demands, I want you to get out of the water. I don't want anyone in my family anywhere near the water. Never again. Never. Right. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. So she's saying, she's insinuating that this shark had it in for them. Yeah. Why did they move to a place literally where the back garden (laughs) is on a large lake? (laughs) Yeah. There are thousands of places you can live in the world that are not anywhere near large bodies of water. Right. Well, if they were already living there, they didn't move. And then her other son, Michael, moves to the fucking Bahamas to work as a marine biologist. (laughs) Michael says, you can't believe that voodoo. Sharks don't commit murder. They don't pick out a person. Heck yes, they do. (laughs) They do in this fucking movie. Uh, It picked out Sean. It killed your father. Dad died from a heart attack. He died from fear. The fear of it killed him. 
Wait, so he didn't die from a from a shark attack? Apparently not. Oh my god. Uh, Michael then explains to his mom that there has never been a shark where he works. It's in the Bahamas. The water's warm, and they hate it. Ellen storms out of the room. I guess we learn that her husband, Michael's dad, did not die from a shark attack. No. So actually, there's only been one shark attack in their family this year, which is more normal levels of shark attacks. Yeah, that's more, it's closer to normal. Yeah. So why does she have it in her head that there's a shark out for them? If this is the first time this has ever happened. This is the first uh, explicit this might just be, shark attack. This might just be ignorance from not watching the other films. Same. Yeah, so that, right. that might be answered in the other film. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt there. So Michael and Carla go for a walk along the beach. Michael curses the shitty piece of wood that resulted in his brother's death. Carla briefly consoles her husband. Michael warmly remembers a nonspecific anecdote about when he and Sean were kids. And then he just sprints off camera in the middle of his story to some really bad music. Carla asks, where are you going? And he replies, nowhere, continuing to run into the distance. If you're to curse the reason your brother died, I would probably blame the shark over the piece of wood he was going into the water to fix. If you're going to look for a cause of death, (laughs) it's not the wood. So we cut to Sean's funeral. The whole town is there. There's like over a hundred people easily. But You mentioned as we were watching the film that um, they put a lot of effort in the five scenes that he's in, in making sure that you know that he's very likable. Yeah, big time. Everyone loves this guy. Also at the, the funeral is uh, Polly potentially seconds away from retiring. <laughs> if she hasn't retired already, if she hasn't retired already, she's, she's, she's close. She's nearly there. <laughs> Polly is sobbing. Ellen, however, Sean's mom, uh, although visibly heartbroken, is laughing. She's smiling, laughing. We then find ourselves within a series of sepia flashbacks that aren't hers that aren't from her perspective no she's she not wasn't in, in any the room. Of, she's not in any of the situations that she remembers at this yeah. point no she then continues to smile and laugh a little as the funeral continues after the funeral michael carla thea try to convince ellen to come back to the bahamas with them yes and she says she can't they try a second time she says yes yeah immediate, on the second try so the the four of them catch the 4.30 ferry later mm-hmm. that day. The three adults take turns picking up five-year-old Thea as they all laugh in a sickly, sweet, wholesome family moment on the boat. Yeah, so they're all enjoying this nice family moment when Ellen begins to just like fucking ugly cry yeah. with no warning. She's like- See, that's more normal. Groaning. That's more normal. Of course it's more normal. Also, she's on a ferry at this point, no? Yeah, she's on a boat. She doesn't want anyone near the water, but, but she's, she, on a boat. she's on a fucking boat right now. And her family, all of her family remaining are now on a boat after she said that she doesn't want anyone related to her anywhere near the water. Yeah. So we watch the distant ferry from the shore now as the camera kind of sinks, panning lower towards the ground, revealing the wooden pole present at Sean's death. Yeah. I didn't catch that the first time. I don't really know what they wanted us to, I don't know what they wanted us to feel. Well, it's fucking a metaphor for something. Cut to Ellen despondent wearing sunglasses now on a small plane with the others piloting the airplane none other than hoagie played by two-time academy award winner michael kane (laughs) hoagie has some adorable dialogue with thea asks ellen if she's ever been to the bahamas before we learn that he likes to gamble 
and that's kind of it. So now they're flying over the water. Just the all lands, the water's the everywhere. Water. Water's everywhere. She's not doing a good job. She's not doing a good <laughs> staying job. Staying away. It's just not that hard to stay away from water. Ellen. It's not that hard. Although I'll give it to the film. If they stayed landlocked, Jaws would have a really hard time. <laughs> Exacting his revenge mentioned in the title. <laughs> he might sneak in through the tap water. <laughs> It'd make for a more interesting uh, original I mean- movie, for sure. <laughs> so, taxi driver Romeo. Who? Uh, he's just driving a taxi, but in the script, he is, he's called Romeo. Okay. Uh, he's singing a Christmas song as he drives the Brody family back to their home in the Bahamas. When they arrive, Thea runs behind the house to a rope swing on the dock. She calls for her grandma... Jaws theme returns. Ellen is immediately stricken with terror because within just fucking three seconds of being there, (laughs) she's like hovering over the water on a rope swing. This is one of one scenes of tension in the film. Yeah. Thea kicking and screaming is carried back inside by her mother. Ellen says, I didn't mean to start all of this. I feel like such a grandma. Because you know how grandmas are. <laughs> Deathly terrified of sharks. Well, yeah, just with their yeah. conspiracy theories about family curses yeah. and oh, yeah. shark, shark vendettas. Michael establishes that Carl is building a sculpture commissioned by the local government. He was also supposed to buy groceries, which he didn't do. End of that scene. What do you think? New scene. Ellen is just swimming. She's just swimming now. She's like 200 yards from the shore. She suddenly becomes aware that this is totally out of character for her panics swimming back towards land but it's too late and in another series of bloody toothy close-ups mr jaws strikes again ellen wakes up with a gasp safe in her bed so next day michael's back at work so he's got this like submersible he's got his scuba suit on yeah but he's got the submersible to like take him around the script describes it as a small wet submersible wet it's underwater (laughs) I would describe everything underwater as being wet. Yes. (laughs) So the small, wet, underwater submersible comes into view, working its way slowly across the flat bottom of the sea. Whatever. Aboard the boat, the boat that is above the water, I should say, we meet Jake, Michael's co-worker, who is speaking to an underwater Michael over their radio system. The two are exchanging friendly banter until it becomes a little bit heated. Michael is electronically tagging conches, also separating males and female conches, which is assumedly important to whatever work they're doing. Michael surfaces and boards the boat. He and Jake continue to argue until Jake takes shit too far blaming Michael for having to work on Christmas Eve. Apparently today is Christmas Eve because Michael selfishly went to attend his brother's funeral. This is the thing. All throughout this film, all throughout this film, they forget that he lost his brother. He even forgets that he lost his brother a week ago. Mum forgets. They keep asking each other. The characters keep asking each other what's wrong. Like, oh, I can't tell what's wrong with you. What's wrong with you recently? And it's like, his brother died four (laughs) days ago. (laughs) What the fuck do you think is wrong? It's probably not even four days ago. They're on the ferry to come back to the Bahamas later the same day as Sean's funeral. This could be like yesterday at this point. It's ridiculous. Yeah, so Jake's now like pissed that he's working on Christmas Eve because Sean died. Jake then says, hey, I'm sorry about your brother, man. 
Which isn't really apologizing. Not really. It's not like, apologizing for like your own acting like a dick. You're just saying, I'm sorry your brother died. I'm not sorry that it's inconveniencing my Christmas Eve plans. Instead of an apology, Jake picks up Michael on his shoulders, exclaiming, I missed you, man. Next scene. Uh, it's Christmas Day. Great. That's fun. Yeah, that happens incredibly quickly. It's Christmas yeah. Day, and then it's not anymore. It not just goes to the next day or something. Yeah. So the four Brodies are in their living room. They're opening presents. They're accompanied by Jake and his partner, Louisa. Michael gets a shirt. Thea gets a tea set. Jake and Louisa start singing Christmas carols. This is the point where the script says, Ellen is sitting in a chair, taking her only pleasure from the day, her first Christmas since Martin's death from Thea's joy. It's also her first Christmas since Sean's death. Well, yeah, I mean, Sean died less than a week yeah, ago. Yeah, you think you should be more shaken up about that. See, I thought at this point that until you corrected me and pointed it out, yeah, um, that her husband and son both died from a shark attack this year. Nope. So her husband dies of a heart attack. Yeah. And she decides that it's from fear of the of shark, the shark. Michael and Ellen are outside. Michael says, I miss him, mom. Ellen replies, I want you to change your work. She continues and says that Michael is all she has left. Michael explains that he and Jake nearly have their PhDs. They know what they're doing. They're basically just collecting large snails. New scene. We see Mr. Jaws. He's swimming in the water. That's it. Uh, new scene. That was it. Ellen and Thea are building a sandcastle four feet at the most from the water. Oh, they're building that sandcastle far too close to the water. Yeah, the tide. Like, the tide in. is actually coming in and getting them. Yep. Which again, Ellen, if Ellen. you want to stay away from the <laughs> water, it's not that hard. Uh, so they're building the sandcastle far too close to the water until Ellen just suddenly starts to fiercely stare out into the water as if she can sense that Mr. Jaws is nearby. She's like, oh, fuck. You stay away from my family. <laughs> Thea eventually brings Ellen back to reality. She's going, grandma, grandma. Grandma snaps back into it. So they continue to build their sand Which is being washed away as they build at it. At this point, Three-time Golden Globe winner Michael Caine is rowing a canoe in their direction. Yes. So he's rocking up. Fia invites Hoagie to join their tea party, and he does. The narrative of the movie starts to just completely lose direction. It's a really boring, it's a real nothing pointless film. movie. Yeah. There's only one more death around the corner. It's no one we care it's, about. It's, yeah, it's, it doesn't feel good. It just happens because it happens. I'm intrigued to see whether the character gets a More name. budget goes towards killing this random person than it does towards killing Sean yeah. earlier in the movie, yeah. who we assumedly care about more. The entire town He's of Amity likeable. loved that guy. Yeah. <laughs> he sold out his funeral. This woman put off her retirement for him. Polly is like... <laughs> Polly had her holiday booked. She should have been in the fucking Bahamas. Polly gets more screen time than his fiance. Polly does. She's got a backstory. She's close to retirement. What's Tiffany doing? She's just there. Tiffany's sedated. She's not even there. <laughs> she's, still, she's still asleep. Yeah. She slept through Christmas. She Apparently. wakes up. It's 1989. Meanwhile, this is all kind of happening at the same time as the previous scene. Michael and Jake are on their work boat. They're looking at conch larvae under a microscope 
because they're scientists or marine biologists. Like that's what you do. You have a microscope, don't you? It might still be Christmas. Michael is revealed at the microscope studying the conch larva. Oh, I, I included this because there's a typo in the script and it really pissed me off. Amazing. There's a large fish tank. With is filled with them. They can't be seen with the naked eye is nearby. What? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. The naked eye is nearby? <laughs> <laughs> Who? <laughs> so word for word. All right. They can't be seen. <laughs> so they can't be Treat the sentence. They can't be seen with the naked eye as being in brackets. Okay. All right. <laughs> okay. Because it's hyphenated. So okay. it's sort of like. <laughs> A large fish tank, comma, with is filled with them. Which is Bracket, filled with brackets. them. They can't be seen with the naked eye. Well, yeah, it's fucking nearby. obviously. Okay. Oh, why would they include an <laughs> empty tank? It's really crucial to the script. Why? Whoever wrote this, the script. I didn't even notice they had a tank near them. Well, they did. Oh, my God. And it's full of... It's just as important that the actors know that it's full of these things. Of invisible <laughs> conches. Okay. Uh, I want to start writing scripts that include a bunch of irrelevant, invisible beings <laughs> yeah, in right. them. Okay, this is my favorite sort of thing that got lost in translation from the script into the film. Clarence is one of their co-workers. Oh. Clarence is drumming a native rhythm oh against the bulkhead. Oh my gosh, it's so annoying. He's drumming a native rhythm. Would you like to hear the native rhythm? Yes, please. <laughs> native no we have that everywhere yeah it's native to no we got that well, where then I technically come from. it is native <laughs> <laughs> it's so annoying though the mixing the sound mixing on their scenes together yeah is so bizarre because like i don't usually notice sound in film right but well you're not you if it's good hear, you don't notice exactly you can't hear what they're saying the drumming is loud which i understand he tells him to shut up, but it's not used as a way to like build tension. It's not used as a way to like drown out their voices. It's supposed to be a background thing. Yeah. And anyway, in the rest of their scenes where there aren't any drumming, you still can't hear them over like the sounds of the sea being yeah, mixed right. in. No, it doesn't add dimension to like the world building. No, it's just it a thing like that's happening would. and then we acknowledge it and then we don't because yeah. it stopped. Well, I now guess. that now that we're talking about it, I can Please. see how in... In your imagination, there's a few things in the script where you're like, oh yeah, that sounds like it could work. But no bones that they were thrown did they take. They did not They did not use any of the material, the slight material they were given in the script to be tense or scary at all. No, it's not a so, tense nor scary movie. In the distance, Michael can see Hoagie and Ellen walking together on the beach. Incredibly, Michael is holding binoculars now and he uses them to be intrusive and weird and Incredibly. spy on his mom. Incredibly. Fancy that. I'm holding binoculars. He was at a microscope. Why would he be holding binoculars <laughs> five seconds later? <laughs> the fucking weirdo. Well, he's like doubling up. He's yeah. looking down the microscope with, with the, the binoculars. binoculars as well. Exactly. Just if you want to look through the microscope from across the room. <laughs> it's like you don't want to get up. Yeah. So, oh. He is weirdly jealous of his mom's relationship with this man. Yeah. Wouldn't yeah, you yeah. be happy for her? Wouldn't you be happy for your mom if she if her husband had died of a heart slash shark attack this year? This year and lost you her know son. lost her son a week ago, and now she's finding new love. Do Let you not the think woman just be... have yeah. some source of joy. Just for back fuck's off, sake, Michael. Man. Clarence stops drumming mid beat. 
creating a pocket of silence for William. I don't know who William is, who's just coming down the dock carrying two six-packs of beer. William utters the line, doesn't in the film. He just says, I like conch. No. Yeah, according to the script, he does. This is assumedly a scientist saying this. He likes conch. Yeah, because that's... We all like conch. (laughs) Is it a euphemism? I don't think so. I think he's just saying he likes conch. Ellen and Hoagie are walking on the beach. She's explaining her conspiracy theory that Mr. Jaws is murdering the Brodies one by one. She also asks what a ride on Hoagie's plane would cost. The tide then comes in and it ruins Thea's sandcastle and she's understandably bummed. Hoagie's skeptical of the conspiracy theory as anybody would be. This is national treasure Michael Caine. He's not buying into your fucking nonsense. So now we're on Hoagie's plane at this point. He lets go of the steering wheel, forcing Ellen to learn how to fly on the spot. And she does. And it's it's fine. It's not cool. No, it's not great. Then Hoagie recalls some story about an Amazonian chief, and it's funny for some reason. The two arrive and walk past a Bahamian parade or street festival or something. This is what the exposition in the script says. I don't remember why I put this here. Maybe it's funny. A native street festival, a parade filled with masked and costumed dancers and musicians and marchers, blasts its way through the ancient narrow streets of an early Bahamian settlement. Hoagie, wearing a windbreaker, and Ellen, who's changed her clothes, why is that important? <laughs> Who the fuck cares? I don't remember. I don't remember any of this. I don't remember they wearing a thread wind, their way through the throng, moving like salmon upstream against the flow of the mass of humanity moving the other way. Oh my god! Okay, <laughs> the actual scene is them in a fairly wide space. Actually, yeah. not the narrow <laughs> streets of whatever. Yeah. They're not moving upstream. They're in the middle of a fairly stationary crowd of people that are just sort of jostling a little bit. Yeah. None of the stuff they think they're doing is actually happening. It isn't happening. And I've had to research what's going on. This festival is called a Junkanoo. So they say Michael, uh, not Michael, not Mike, Michael Caine, Hoagie, uh, has some offhand things saying it's a Junkanoo. It's not in the script. He says it in the film, though. So good on you, Michael Caine. Which places this day as Boxing Day. So this is the day after Christmas. This is a day after Christmas. They're at the Junkanoo Festival. Michael's back at work. Yeah. Jake has no problem working on Boxing Day. Ellen's basically in the sea. Ellen's in the sea four or five days after her son's death. Yeah. So it's the day after Christmas. I found that out. The, the film doesn't tell you that. No. So this is the Junkanoo this Festival. This film has no it happens, regard. It happens in Caribbean countries. Yeah. English-speaking Caribbean countries on Boxing Day and New Year's Day. Okay. And New Year's Day is still a few scenes okay. in the future. Christmas wasn't entirely relevant no. either. But it happened. No, maybe now they're assuming, gone. maybe Michael Caine saw that and was like, I'm going to give them a little, I'm going to throw the audience a bone and tell them it's a Junkanoo so that they know it's Boxing Day. Yeah. Apparently he's never seen this film. He's never seen this film. Uh, that is part of the trivia. He's never seen this film. Yeah. So Michael Caine said, won an Oscar, built a house and had a great holiday. Not bad for a flop movie. He was paid $1.5 million for seven days of work in the Bahamas. Seven days. Seven days. He won an Oscar while they were filming this and couldn't be there at the ceremony. Because to he's accept, filming? Because he's filming Jaws the Revenge. That's terrible. He won an Oscar for Best Supporting Actor in a film called Hannah and Her Sisters in 1986. Okay. So he wins an Oscar while he's making this fucking that disaster. That sucks. Basically, he was like, yeah, cool. So they're going to give me 
one and a half million dollars to work for seven days. Sick. In like a dope Caribbean tropical location. Yeah. Like it's gonna be it's gonna be sick. He said something along the lines of, no, I haven't seen the movie, but I've seen the house it's built. <laughs> <laughs> Ellen and Hoagie are at the Junkanoo Festival. Meanwhile, Michael and Jake are still working. We know now that it's Boxing Day it's only because I fucking looked it up, not because yeah. the film tells you. <laughs> yeah. Michael's up on the boat. Jake's underwater in the submersible, the wet submersible. Suddenly, like no buildup or suspense or musical cue, Mr. Jaws is just swimming past him. Yeah. And Jake makes some like mild comment about a big fish. I even know what a shark looks like. <laughs> he's a marine biologist. He's almost person. got his PhD. Yeah. He's almost got his PhD in something. <laughs> Snails, I guess. <laughs> he's really got his like blinders on yeah, to um, any other yeah. kind of aquatic life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He just doubled down. If it's not down. a snail, yeah. if it's not a conch, he's he doesn't all know. in <laughs> on snail. <laughs> makes his mild comment about a big fish. Michael asks, how big? At which point, Mr. Jaws emerges from the water and begins to eat their fucking boat. <laughs> the moment Mr. Jaws erupts from the water, Ellen's smile fades and she stops dead in her tracks. At the jun- jungle. <laughs> the junkanoo. What's it called? Junkanoo. junkanoo. Well, it's not, it's not Bohemian culture's fault that this film is bad, so I want to get the word right. <laughs> Ellen is... Miles away. They've flown somewhere else. Yeah. So she's got this weird intuition yeah. thing. She's got this sixth sense yeah. for shark attacks. Great. I mean, clearly not. She thought her husband died of one. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the intuition was wasn't there attack. when Sean died either. Because we don't cut to That's her. That's so true. She doesn't have telepathy in that moment. She just See, that would make it. sense. She should have. Ugh. Okay. Lazy yeah. filmmaking. Yeah. So here's some exposition from the script as well. Michael stands to scan the water and the shark explodes. Oh, I, I wrote all this down. I copied it in because n- none of this is true to what happens. Okay. It paints a much cooler picture. So let's just say what actually happens in the, in the, in the film first is so what, that- What actually happens is that the shark kind of halfway comes out of the water- Bites the boat. And the boat- Bleeds. The boat bleeds. There's blood- <laughs> Fucking everywhere. There's just pools of blood. The only thing I can think is that it's the shark's blood. I don't think so. That's the only thing that can bleed in that equation. Maybe so, he, may, maybe maybe himself. maybe he bit through the the fish tank with the barely visible conches. Yeah, absolutely. And the snails are the ones hemorrhaging blood. At yes, the boat is just. Bleeding. And if they wanted some kind of like cool texture or something, something to be visible, have like oil. Yeah. Or something like that. Something that boats actually do. Yeah. Have an explosion (laughs) or something. Yeah. But the boat doesn't bleed. (laughs) Why is there blood? Because this is a magic shark that murders people. Yeah. And there's a magic woman named Ellen who knows that all of this is happening, even (laughs) though she's miles away somewhere else entirely. So that's what actually happens. What the script says is supposed to happen is that Michael stands to scan the water and the shark explodes out a few feet from Clarence. No, he's nowhere near Clarence. Clarence the one who's doing the native rhythm. Oh, for goodness sake, Clarence. Um, His mouth opens with terrified surprise and goes straight for Michael, who throws himself to the deck. No, No, both people are standing, they barely move. Uh, the shark misses him by inches. They didn't have the budget to do that this, either. None of this happens. No. Unable to close its great jaws about him because 
because of the width of the barge, as quickly as it appeared, the shark is gone. The shark sort of rears the first bit of its head out of the water, yeah. takes a bite out of the boat, and then that's it. Yeah. They didn't do anything else. No, it's mostly still underwater like an iceberg. Yeah. It bites through some wood. Yeah. The wood bleeds, the wood and then bleeds, it's gone. And so they, it. Michael and Clarence just kind of watch. They look totally unfazed. Mm -hmm. Their hands are at their sides. They look minorly convenienced at most. Like that's what happens. Inconvenienced. Is that what I said? Minorly (laughs) convenienced (laughs) is a very different thing. It's like realizing you already made yourself a coffee (laughs) or something. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. That's a pleasant surprise. (laughs) Yeah. Just ate Realizing you did the dishwasher already. (laughs) Oh, that's nice. Nobody dies. There's only one death left, and yep. it's like half an hour from this point. Yeah. <laughs> but now they know there's, that there's a shark in the Bahamas, and there shouldn't be, because they've established that the water's too warm, sharks don't like it, it shouldn't be here. But they're it's, very excited about the fact yeah, that Yeah, they're it is. fucking stoked about it. Because they're they, snail doctors. You st- <laughs> 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 said it with like... You, it was like sexy and patronizing. Snail doctors. <laughs> <laughs> Slimy. <laughs> so meanwhile, Ogie asks Ellen, who is still like hypnotized and horrified. Uh, he asks what's wrong. She insists nothing is wrong as not to worry Hoagie. In fact, she totally overcompensates and just joins in the parade. She begins dancing in jubilation, grinning from ear to ear. It's not a very comfortable or realistic performance. It's and terrible. I don't know if it's okay that she joins in the parade. Oh, I don't know. So coming after her. BAFTA award winner Michael Caine dances reluctantly in the Bahamian Street Festival. It's called the Junkanoo. He's dancing reluctantly. This is Michael fucking Caine. He assures Ellen that sharks don't commit calculated murders, and he encourages her to move on. Sean died a, a, almost uh, a week ago. A whole ago. week ago. Move, move on, on woman. Move on, woman. Uh, and he says it all whilst dancing, and he doesn't want to be because he knows something's quite wrong. Back on the boat... Jake's fucking pumped that there's a shark in the Bahamas. He's pumped. Everybody's pumped. They don't have to look at fucking conch larvae under a microscope anymore. Yeah. They're where the money is. Great white sharks. You can see those fish. <laughs> don't need binoculars to look at that. Don't need binoculars to look at that. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> so Michael asked Jake not to mention the shark. Nor the shark's actions to his mother. Understandably, I guess, because mom's got her conspiracy theories and a shark ate her other son five days ago. Yeah, so later that night, Ellen and Hoagie return home from their date. Michael is spying on his mom like a creep. Yeah, so weird. Uh, His wife slingshots her underwear at him to get him to stop moping, and then they fuck. And then Ellen gives Hoagie a handshake goodnight. Uh, You can tell Hoagie had his hopes up for a kiss, but it's Michael Caine. So he's like a goddamn gentleman. Uh, next scene, it's New Year's Eve. So everyone is at the casino. They're gambling, they're drinking, they're having a good time. They're dancing. Ellen and Hoagie excuse themselves and they begin to slow dance. Michael's a dick though, and he and cuts, cuts in. in. He cuts in. At which point, Hoagie delivers the only redeemable line of dialogue. And I caught this on the second watch and it's actually quite sweet and it's written in the script. I like this line. The world would be a better place if more sons danced with their mothers. Oh, that's nice. That's really nice, isn't it? Yeah. So someone wrote that. They did a good job and then duct taped this fucking dumpster fire to it. So back to Hoagie, I've realized they're trying to set him up as like a weird red herring. He like keeps asking about- You're supposed to think he's the shark? Yeah. No, No, I don't really know. This is the thing. What do you mean? Like the fact that he is 
really suspicious of Hoagie yeah. is like a massive part of the film. It's a plot point for it's sure. It's a real plot point and it goes nowhere. Yeah. Hoagie's just a nice guy. That's it. So I don't know what they're trying to get you to suspect of yeah, him. They're trying to that get you to the think shark. he's the shark. <laughs> and like, he was the shark in the previous three yeah. films too. <laughs> but yeah, it makes no sense. There's nothing that he could be contributing to the villain of the story. Unless well, so Michael and his mother have a heartfelt moment as they slow dance. Shit's been hard. Sean died. It's been two almost two weeks. Yeah. Everybody's wow. moved on. Yeah, of course. I Everybody's mean, moved that's on. That's almost too long to have to have not yeah. gone over it. Not to mention <laughs> Tiffany. Like we've abandoned <laughs> Tiffany completely. <laughs> we will never mention Tiffany. Yeah. Polly's probably retired by now. Maybe it's been two weeks. It's been two weeks. She, Tiffany's still sedated. <laughs> maybe Polly's in the Bahamas. <laughs> Polly rocks up. Yeah. yeah. Polly delivers the final like harpoon to Imagine. the shark. <laughs> uh, Ellen says she's trying to convince herself that their family's not cursed at this point. The previous two deaths by shark attack or near there, yeah, nearabouts in their immediate family were probably just a coincidence anyway. Next day, Jake is setting up like a GPS heartbeat monitor to track Mr. Jaws. So Michael's pissed about it because a shark killed his brother. Yes. Like two (laughs) weeks ago. Yes. But he's persuaded anyway. And he's like, you son of a bitch. You're right. I'm in. It was a long time ago. <laughs> it was two weeks it ago. Was, it was long yeah. enough ago for me to engage in a shark again. Yeah, let's do it. You son of a bitch. I'm in. Next scene, Michael and Carla, his wife Carla, are arguing over taking out the trash. Yeah, this scene. This fucking scene. Comes out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't have any. So he tries to diffuse the tension by implying they should have sex. Uh, she points a welding torch towards her husband. They're in, uh, they're in her welding her work, like, her workshop like, uh, Yeah, thing. workshop. I was going to say office. Yeah, yeah workshop's the, the, the word. rubbish out to her workshop, which I'm going to make the point of, so they're arguing about how he never takes out the trash because he's busy. Yeah. She, her reasoning for why he should take out the trash is because that's what she says. Right. He's yeah. like, why do I have to take out the trash? She says, because. But if it's right next to her workshop, she should be taking out the trash. Sure convenience wise yeah if you're really gonna get that upset about it yeah do it yourself kind (laughs) of you're going there anyway yeah pretty much it's on the it's like walking past it's on the way to where she works yeah it would be like if your job was to drop off the school children but your partner actually went past the school on the way to work Uh, but for some reason it was your job because but either way michael's insinuating they should just have sex uh and carla points a, a blowtorch towards him at which point michael says i've always wanted to make love to an angry welder and that line works and they have sex in her yeah. workspace. But there's no door to her workspace. <laughs> and there are people walking outside. You see them in the background, I think. And they never know where their daughter they is at any one point. They never know where their daughter is. No one is ever watching this girl. No one. No one knows where she is no. at any point. Well, at least if she dies, they'll only be sad about it for a week. Yeah, but we know on. that she doesn't because no deaths happen in this film whatsoever. No. no. Well, next scene, work boats out at sea. Guys make a huge pool of blood in the open water and suspend what the script calls chunks of horse meat above the waves. Just looks like 2D pieces of chicken. They attract the shark in probably less than a minute. Mm -hmm. Super effective. Jake impales Mr. Jaws with a long pitchfork on the end of which is his tracking device now attached to the left side of the shark. Shark swims away. Music's bad. Next scene. Ellen and Hoagie are on a date. They kiss. Next scene. Michael and Jake try to hunt down Mr. Jaws. They don't find him. Next scene. Ellen gushes to Carla about her kiss with Hoagie. Ellen worries she's too old for something like this. Carla, 
Her daughter-in-law replies, I hope not. I mean, I'm counting on a long, happy sex life. It's definitely something you say to your mother-in-law. Obviously. (laughs) At which point Thea interrupts them and steals Ellen away for a tea party. If she'd walked up the day before, she would have seen her parents having sex on the floor. (laughs) Yeah, homegirl's free range. She's (laughs) she's completely off leash. She is just wherever the fuck she wants to be at any moment. Next scene. Shark, meat, blood, cutscenes. Michael wakes up from the shortest, vaguest nightmare ever. Oh God, it was so weird. Next scene. Yeah. We're just blowing through the scenes. It went so quickly that I wasn't sure if they'd like made a cutting error or something. Yeah. Well, no, we're just cruising through them. So next scene, Michael's at the dinner table with his daughter, but his mind is elsewhere. Thea begins to copy her father's gestures and expressions. It's a fun scene. Yeah. If it were in a John Hughes film, if it were in Home Alone, um, then it's fun. The music is really nice. I think they do it well. Yeah. But it's in the middle of a shark attack film. We're in a horror film. It's not well placed. So here's what I caught on the second watch that I didn't catch upon the first watch. Because it would be incredible if you did. Thea is copying, she's like mimicking Mm -hmm. uh, her dad down to his expressions and his gestures and his movements. That is when we were at Sean's funeral. Is that what she's- The sepia flashback that she wasn't in the room to experience. Well, because she mentions it. That's the only way I could- she mentions that, oh, you yeah. used to do that with your dad or later something. this scene. Yeah. So yeah. that's adolescent Sean. Oh my gosh. And his dad. Who adolescent? Later- well, yeah, he's, it was. Oh, so. I think he's like six. He's, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> yeah. So that's infant. Yeah. Uh, Child. Sean. Yeah. yeah. Ellen is observing this because, you know, she observed. Yeah. It was her sepia flashback before. So she's yeah, but like. She's not in the memory she's that not. she's remembering. She's before. in this one, though, and she walks past a Christmas tree that is still up and it's fucking and next year at this point. That's unacceptable. So Michael notices that Thea's copying him and he kind of like plays it up, shitty, whimsical John Hughes music. Yeah. Not that like the music in a John Hughes film is shitty, it's appropriate for a John Just Hughes not for film. This, film. this is a horror film about a shark. Ellen nods in this weird forced notion of like, yeah, like your dad did with Sean. It's not even this oh, kid. Not even with him. Well, I don't know. Oh, I don't know. If it's not even with him, then why is she remembering a memory of Michael and his dad at Sean's funeral? Weird, actually, Shit yeah. doesn't make <laughs> any sense at this point. All right. So it's now the next day. Michael's underwater with his snail friends. Uh, Jake spots Mr. Jaws on their EKG radar machine. Michael's hurrying back towards the boat when his submersible is suddenly gripped by the huge, totally unrealistic shark mouth. Michael escapes while Mr. Jaws is preoccupied by eating a metal and plastic boat instead of a delicious, meaty mammal who's part of the same bloodline that he's like single-handedly, it's like one by one killing. Michael finds apparent safety within a sunken ship, but it's not long after that that the shark starts tearing through that as well. But this time, Michael makes an ingenious getaway. So he like flips his scuba suit's oxygen tank upside down and he rapidly propels himself upwards like it's like a jetpack or something. Yeah. Um, this and is the scene where the shark is actually a toy shark inside a toy set. You it's bad. See. It's so bad. It's really bad. Shit's real bad. So he's pulled up by the crew. The crew is Jake, Clarence, and William, just to remind you. Of course. Pulled up. Later that night, though, Michael's restless, wide awake, and he's very sweaty. He's just pouring sweat, and he walks into the bathroom, stares at his reflection for a while. Music's bad. It's like that bad Jaws 4 theme. Now it's the next scene. Michael's all like scuba suit it up 
insisting that he's going back into the water despite Jake objecting this time. So they've like totally flip-flopped at this point. Michael dives back in. There's a jump scare involving a moray eel. Which is more scary than the shark. Way more fucking scary. Because eels are terrifying. Yeah, but it's like, yeah, it's got real eyes, real teeth. It's right up there in the lens. And it's the only like genuine jump scare in the movie. And I don't think they even shot it on purpose. You think it was just a really happy coincidence? Yeah, I think they just got some footage of an eel. Yeah, maybe. So next scene, it's Carla's big day. We're unveiling her sculpture on the beach. She's with Louisa. Their partners are both missing from the ceremony because they're like hunting the shark at this point. Thea's there. Thea's there. She runs off to go ride on the banana boat. Again, no one's watching this child. They establish that Margaret's mother... Margaret. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So so the only thing they say is, it's okay. She can go on the banana boat. Margaret's mother is there. Sure. So I guess Margaret's her friend who's never been mentioned. So Margaret's mother is the chaperone. Margaret's mother is now doing more parenting than Carla and Michael have ever done in this movie. So ceremony continues. Awful music's back. Shark fin. Ellen screams. The whole crowd now looks towards the banana boat in terror. Carla screams. She runs into the water and boom. The pink panther. Uh, Mr. Jaws, you were close. He uh, attacks a random woman on the banana boat. That's what I was saying. I didn't want to say it. Is that Margaret's mother? That's Margaret's mother. Margaret's mother is attacked. Yeah. The second and last death of the film. Second and last. Mr. Jaws is like completely out of his like climate, right? He's in like uncomfortably warm Warm water. water. He's like boiling. This is torture for him. He's here to kill the Brodies. He took down Martin, not through a shark attack, but through fear. So that's just a happy like. That's a really. Yeah, that's a big win. Magical coincidence. It's a big win. He didn't even have to murder Martin. He didn't even have to get out of the water. He murders Sean. Mm-hmm. He takes like one of his arms, maybe the second, leaves the rest there. Done. Work is done. He doesn't kill anyone else until he kills Margaret's mom. According to the script, Margaret's mom puts herself in the line of danger no, to save Thea not. as a responsible chaperone. That no, isn't doesn't. what happened. She's just picked out like it's totally just fucking woman. randomly. You don't get any and shots I guess, of this woman's face. And I guess this is the point I'm trying to make is that the shark goes for Thea. Right. It's going for Thea. It's trying to kill one more Brody. Yeah. But Margaret's mother, fucking <laughs> hero, is legend mourned, that she is. Is never mourned. No. Is never mentioned. No. Gave her life for your daughter. Yeah. No one talks about her again. Not once. Margaret's lost a mother. Not before, not after. So this is the last death that we get. It's a boring fucking It's almost movie. a feel-good film. Yeah. So everyone, understandably horrified, shit loads of blood. Margaret's mom gripped in the shark's stupid fucking teeth pulled under the water. The banana boat returns otherwise safely to the shore. Then once Ellen sees that her granddaughter is safely back on the land. Again, like Ellen doesn't object to like Fia being on the banana boat. Nope. She's doing a real bad job of keeping her family away from the water. So bad. So bad. Ellen sees that her granddaughter's safe, but then she sends a cold fucking stare right in the shark's direction. You don't see it, but it's like out to the water. You know, she's looking at the water. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. So she sprints away through the crowd more like a salmon upstream now than she was in the, at the Junk Canoe Festival. And then she commandeers the guy's work boat and is just full throttle, like fucking hauling ass out into the water right now. So now Michael's home and finds out that Thea was attacked by Mr. Jaws. So it's Thea, Carla, and Louisa. And His reaction all- is 
terrible. Yeah. And then he lets it slip that he knows that there's been a great white shark in the Bahamas and he didn't tell anybody, nor that he was almost killed. Carl is mad as hell. Yeah. Michael just pieces out because his mom's gone. He goes, where's mom? And then he leaves. It's fucking bizarre. Michael and Jake, they're fucking like tearing off in a dinghy when who should they see but Screen Actors Guild Award winner Michael Caine back in his little canoe where he was before. He hasn't seen Ellen, so the three board Hoagie's plane and they search for Ellen. Cut to Mr. Jaw's perspective and his theme music, and he's sneaking up on Ellen from behind. Doo-doo. Because the element of surprise is crucial when you're a fucking shark. Why is he sneaking up on her from behind? I don't know. Who thought that was a good idea? It's stupid. They did. It doesn't matter. It's happening. Ellen turns around, looks at Mr. Jaws and says, come and get me, you son of a bitch. And now from the air, the guys spot Ellen and their boat and they see the fast approaching shark. So Hoagie dive bombs the plane in the direction of the impending shark attack. Mr. Jaws launches out of the water and just misses Ellen. Well, now Hoagie is on the radio back to like air traffic control and he requests some like nautical backup and then they crash land the plane into the water. Michael and Jake both swan dive off the now floating airplane. It's like off the wing of the plane, they do this big dive, they swim towards their boat and they hoist themselves back up. And suddenly Mr. Jaws erupts out of the water, resulting in Sir Michael Caine, knighted by the fucking queen to (laughs) deliver the line, oh shit. He got his knighthood like a dozen years later. It's like 12, 13 years later. But no, we we had to do this first. Mr. Jaws wraps his big stupid mouth around the wing of the plane, pulling the plane and its pilot hoagie beneath the water surface. She's more cut up. No, that's that's where she's, I was going. She's more cut up about Hoagie's death, who yeah. she's known for two weeks. Yeah. And she is about her son. She's furious that yes. Michael's here because Hoagie's just died. Like she's fucking livid. She yeah. put, she shoves her son. Yeah. She's so angry. But she's angry because she intended to sacrifice herself to end this curse. That's just- Why does it end with her? It's trying to kill her kids and her grandkids and her her husband and like Where do you get off? Why is this about you? You retired. You weren't in the last movie. (laughs) Shit still happened and you weren't there. The fuck's wrong with you? Like, why why does she have this belief that this is like... Because she's the main character, apparently. Well, yeah, apparently. I thought the main character was Sean and then I thought it was Michael. Apparently, this is her movie. Let's assume... That she does sacrifice herself to the shark. The shark leaves. No, Michael and Theo then die. Well, of course they do. Of course they're fucking going Carla to. Gets, Carla gets away. She, gets, she maybe gets spared because she's only there by. Well, this is it, right? Okay, right? So she's there. <laughs> she, so if Carla gets spared, yeah. she's only in this family by marriage, yeah. which so is fucking really Ellen. So is fucking Ellen. Yeah, if if the her... shark's after the Brodies, she has that last name because of her now dead oh, husband. Shit. It might be a last name thing. The shark might be a bit bureaucratic in that way. (laughs) (laughs) The only justification. Maybe it's killing everyone in the world alphabetically. Yes. And it's not moving on until every Brody has died. Which is why Michael Caine. Yeah. Yeah. So Michael Caine wasn't dead. Spoiler alert. Michael Caine's fine. Yes. Hoagie like is back. And that's within three seconds of him dying. She gets angry then he comes back. That's yeah, it. You, you don't like the film nor the audience don't like 
earn the fact that he's still alive. He just is, and it's fine, and it happens. He just climbs back onto the boat, and, and they're like, oh. Yeah, it's cool. That's nice, isn't it? So he's still alive. Hoagie's back, survives his close encounter with Mr. Jaws. He's like totally unscathed. In a movie where even the boat bleeds. At which point the EKG radar tracking device thing, it comes back to life because Mr. Jaws is reapproaching the boat from deep beneath the waves. Jake and Michael are like putting together the explosive device, right? This is their plan to kill a shark. Jake really crudely attaches to like a long stick and he climbs way, way out onto the bow of the boat at this point. The orchestra is just like raging, does this crescendo and then silence. And then the shark's just gone until suddenly he's back. Did he learn how to like fool the radar? Does he like stop his own heartbeat? He like jumps out of the water in slow motion right now. So this is again, the depiction in the script. This is the exposition. The shark explodes up completely out of the water, clearing the surface opening its jaws as it comes directly for Michael, who leaps back. No, it comes halfway out of the water again and just eats Jake. This is where it went wrong with Margaret's mom. In, In the script, it now says that Jake sacrifices his life to get in the way of Michael. No, he doesn't. No. Of course he doesn't. It that just doesn't happen. To he's grab out. Jake. He's completely out on the bow of the boat alone. He's like 10 feet away from any other person and it just attacks Jake. So what happens is there's a slow motion shark attack. His big, stupid, dumbass looking mouth is wide open. It launches up towards Jake. Jake thrusts the explosive device on a stick down the shark's throat. Jake then very carefully falls into the shark's open mouth. And you can see that he's very careful. He's still holding on to the boat. Oh my God. As he just kind of leisurely lowers himself ass first into an open shark mouth. I guess that's the way you want to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On your own terms. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So I find, if I'm going to die. So I'm going to be eaten. But this is all still in, in slow motion. So he lowers himself in slow motion. We get all the reactions in slow motion. And then he's like kind of crushed in the jaws the of the shark and he's like hemorrhaging fucking blood. There is so much blood. Yeah, there's a lot of More blood. More blood than when the boat was bleeding. Yeah, there's you'd so think. much blood. <laughs> and then Michael lets out this stupid fucking Jake <laughs> in slow motion and just drenched in reverb. Gross. It is so fucking stupid. Michael then like stomps away in this like huff. He's like having like a, a whole fucking thing and he grabs this electrotransmitter or something that's going to lure Mr. Jaws back towards the boat because that's clearly a dope idea at this point. That's what you do. That's the move. Ellen's having another sepia flashback to memories of shark murders she wasn't there for. Of course. So she's remembering Sean's shark attack as if she were there because it's the footage we saw. And then we watch Margaret's mom dying. So the boat's cruising again. Ellen's steering. Hoagie's trying to keep the engine from flooding. It's the only like narrative reason this guy is still alive. Till suddenly Ellen drives the bow of the ship directly into the side of Mr. Jaws. The front of the boat just jousts the ever loving shit out of the shark. And you didn't realize that that was the climax of the film. No, it just happens out of nowhere. Yeah, it does happen out of nowhere. And then the shark explodes. Yeah. Just blows the fuck up. I think because of the machine thing. Because of the, yeah, the the explosive device. It's all very unclear, but yeah, I think it's because of that. The boat capsizes after impact. The three all fall overboard. 
The silhouetted carcass of the shark sinks slowly and bloodily to the seafloor. The three call out each other's names, at which point, Jake, he's still alive. Like, cool. Of course he is. Fine. But two people dying is, like, pretty weak. It's really weak. And, like, dude could have died in, like, I don't know, the only cool, admirable way in the movie. Yeah. I don't know, but But he he didn't. didn't. He didn't, and it's fine. So whatever. It doesn't matter. He's drenched in his own blood, or maybe it's the sharks, or maybe it's both. He had to stay alive to press the, like, explosion thing. Hoagie could have died. Hoagie could have died. Michael Kine. Michael Kine. (laughs) Jake's alive. He's calling out for Michael. Everyone's elated. The music is bouncy and delightful. Yeah. All is well. Michael swims towards the barely buoyant Jake, who is already cracking jokes at this point. Like, yeah, because he's a side character. Yeah, and then, like, why why at this point aspire towards... But then towards... so is Michael. Yeah, so. right. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> so, like, I don't know. Why go for any sort of, like, realism or credibility at this point in the fucking movie? So that's what happens. That's the climax. It's over. We reach the closing scene of the movie. Unless you have anything you'd like to say about all God, that. God, no. I mean, it's just... It's the most boring film. It's just what happens. Nothing happens. It's just what happens. It's not like metaphorical or interesting or good looking. It's just what happens and it's fine. So the shark's dead. Franchise is like buried now. Shit's done. That's like the the sharks had four movies. We reach the final scene. Ellen's boarding a small plane. She's returning to Amity. She says goodbye to her son, her daughter-in-law, her granddaughter, and she asks them all to take good care of Jake. Finally, only mentioned fifth in the credits... Only one allocation higher than the actor who plays five-year-old Thea, Michael fucking Kane, <laughs> delivers the final line of the movie, fading out in volume beneath the score. And this is the final line in the movie. Hoagie is saying this. Remind me when I get back to tell you about the time I flew a hundred nuns to Nairobi. Powerful stuff. And that's it. <laughs> and that's Jaws the Revenge. And that's powerful, Jaws the Revenge. Powerful stuff. So what are your thoughts? Oh, it's just terrible. It's so bad. It is. It's worse than bad. It's just boring. Even as we were recounting it, I was like getting bored of like remembering this film in sequence. There's just no tension whatsoever. You're not afraid of anything apart from the eel that pops up halfway through. You're never worried that the characters are in peril. No. I would say if I were to direct or write a shark attack film, that the shark must attack... Some people. Some quota. Some people. (laughs) Yeah, some. Some portion of the main cast must be in peril at some point. You're not afraid of anything in this film. No. Nothing. Not even close. The sound's terrible. The music's terrible. The shots are terrible. The acting's terrible. It had a pretty big budget. It was 23. It was somewhere between 20 and 30 million dollars. What did they use that on? Michael Caine. Michael Caine. They used it on Michael Caine. Because the film that won the Oscar the year this came out, 1987, Platoon won. Mm-hmm. And the budget for that was 6 million. So this had more budget. Considerably than... more budget. Jeez. Somewhere between, and anywhere between three and five times the budget. So bad. And then the only bit of trivia left that I found, which is really funny, and you did mention this while we were watching the movie, but not on the podcast, is that the shark's apparently infamous roar during the climax of the film actually comes from a Tom and Jerry cartoon. Um, reportedly, this was actually done because the sound editor refused to make an original sound effect, thinking <laughs> that the idea of a shark roaring was ridiculous. Yes, because it I heard is. the shark roaring at some point and I was like, no. Yeah. It's, it was when it was killing Margaret's mom. I was like, that shark is not roaring. <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah, it was. And that's Jaws. That's Jaws the Revenge. Fourth and final in the Jaws franchise. 
And that's Jaws the Revenge. What did you think? It's terrible. It's so bad. That's it. It's just bad. That's the review. It's just bad. Well, it's good because it's not scary. Sure. So for me, that's a good thing. But it is. But that means it is a terrible, unsuccessful movie. That that means it's an unsuccessful shark attack film. Yeah. My review, as somebody who loves horror films and equally loves bad films, horror or otherwise. This is not a film that I like. It's not a film I love. It's not a film I enjoyed. It's just boring. And it's so forgettable. It's like, it's not over the top. It's not inventive or unique or creative. It just sucks. And it's so (laughs) boring. And like, it's not something I'm going to remember or going to want to watch again. And that's okay. It's not fun. It's not a fun, bad movie. There are fun, bad movies and there are just bad movies. And unfortunately, some of these fall into that category. But for me, uh, tomorrow's podcast is a very fun, bad movie. Uh, Tomorrow we'll be watching The Wicker Man from 2006 starring Nicolas Cage. One of my favorite movies ever because it sucks so deeply. So give it a watch or don't. But either way, we will see you tomorrow.